Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. Thank you so much for joining us again today. September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, so today's interview is very timely. Until my own daughter was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 17, I had no idea how prevalent childhood cancer actually is. I didn't know that approximately 1 in 285 children in the United States will be diagnosed with cancer before their 20th birthday, or that 1,800 children lose their life to cancer every year. I didn't know that cancer is the most common cause of death by disease for children in America. And I sure was not aware that only 4% of federal cancer research funding is dedicated to childhood cancer. Our children are certainly worth more than four. My conversation today is with Amelia Joy's mom, Courtney Mount. Millie was two years old when Courtney and her husband heard the devastating words, Your child has cancer. Today, she shares the story of how Millie walked into the hospital and went from being a baby to knowing everything about the oncology world. And she talks about their prayer. Please heal her and allow her to tell your goodness with her own lips. But if you don't, we will tell her story for her. In part one of our conversation, Courtney tells Millie's story for her. Hi, Courtney. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Hi, Jill. I'm honored to be here. Good. Well, I always like to get started by giving my guests an opportunity to tell a little bit about themselves. Tell us where you're from and what life is like for you there. Okay. I am from South Central Oklahoma. My husband and I have been married for 31 years. We met and then married as high school sweethearts in high school. We have nine children. They range from age 30 down to four. Three of them are adults, three of them are teenagers, and three of them are littles along with a fabulous daughter-in-law and six Uh grandbabies. So that's always exciting. Yes. We have homeschooled our children for 27 years now, and we've graduated four of them so far. Um, We live on a hobby farm where we have cows, horses, and cats. And the cats is kind of a funny thing because we have lots of cats, barn cats, Mm. way too many cats. Um, With a family this size, David and I don't have much time for hobbies. But if we did, when we have free time, he likes to hunt. I love to scrapbook and then write. Mm, Yeah, yeah. You're a very talented writer, by the way. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So now, Millie is your little girl that we'd love to spend some time talking about today. Tell us about Millie. Well, sweet Millie. Her real name is Amelia Joy, Mm. and she's the baby of our nine children. She had a very special spot in our family as that baby. Um, She's our sixth daughter, born when we were in our mid-40s. So, you know, you have the children that are born when you're young and when you're not so young and then when you're old. And she was the one when I went for the ultrasound, they said, ma'am, you're really old. Wow. So I didn't feel that old. But anyway, they thought I was. Yeah. Um, David and I joked and teased our kids that we were going to name her Amelia Joy because Amelia means worker. And she was going to be our joyful worker. Mm -hmm. So we were excited about that. All of the kids came up with their own nickname for her. um, But ultimately, we called her Millie. One of her brothers picked that. And he picked it from her being the lead actress in our favorite musical, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. (laughs) So she enjoyed. And she would say, my name's Millie. But then she would give credit to the other brother and Amy. And she would name off every name she could think of, including my name. 
Wow. Um, Millie was a true farm girl. She loved her little green John Deere boots, and she's well known for those. And it's funny because she actually snagged them from her big brother. They were his boots, and she liked them well enough. She took them and wore them everywhere. Hmm. Um, She loved being outside in the swing under our tree, riding in the tractor with her daddy, and playing with her siblings out in the yard. A little bit of a thrill seeker. She really enjoyed the four-wheeler. Oh, yeah, I bet she did. Yeah, I've seen pictures of her on Facebook, and she just radiates joy. You know, I think she's very well-named. She is. She also radiates sassiness, but that's another part of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, that's funny. So when she was about two years old, you began to notice that she was just kind of excessively fussy. And what was going on at that time? When Millie was two, our home was still very crowded. We had three bedrooms. So we had a boy's room, a girl's room, and a parent's room with anybody that wouldn't behave at night. So Millie was in a pack and play in our room, along with her brother and her five-year-old sister. They were just all crowded in there each night. And she started whining all night long, very restless, rolling around, um, didn't sleep, woke up demanding to nurse over and over. I normally wean my babies about two. Mm-hmm. She couldn't get this one to wean. She was not mm-hmm. having it. Yeah. Um, we were getting so little sleep, we moved her to the girls' room. It's time to grow up. We put her in a big girl bed in the girls' room. She loved it. She loved claiming to be a big girl. But she'd wake up every morning, and she'd be drenched in sweat. It's like mm-hmm. January, February. Yeah. Come out of the bedroom, her hair would be standing on end. Um she also would cry a lot, starting three, four o'clock in the afternoon. She would just cry, hold me, hold me, hold me. Mm-hmm. And I told my husband, it's the witching hour. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but it's like where children fall apart every night around dinner time. That right. was her. I uh-huh. couldn't cook dinner. I couldn't do anything because the child just screamed and cried. Yeah. I'd put her on my hip and she'd demand, put me on the front. Mm. I can't hold you on the front. I'd move her back to my hip, back and forth, trying to cook and yeah. Just couldn't really ever get her settled. The minute daddy'd come in the door, she'd start with him. Hold me, hold me. And he too, hold her for a little while, but he could never put her down. And I remember him saying, I can't hold you all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But needless to say, we didn't know what was wrong. Sure. She would get sick. She'd have an ear infection. The doctor would treat that. We'd go in the next time. They'd say, well, it looks like she's just getting over something. Over and over, we sought the doctor. And repeatedly, she seemed fine. She didn't want to eat, but she was picky. She'd been a picky eater. Mm -hmm. So there were just little things that went on and on. Um, Come May of that year, which was 2019, we went to the Grand Canyon. And while we were there, I had posted an inquiry on Facebook just with my mom's group that said, help me. She's my ninth kid. I should know what to do, but this child cries all the time. She runs periodic fevers, you know, just little things that she was struggling through. And one of the moms said, I don't want to alarm you, but I think you should go and have her with the blood test. And I asked her, can you tell me what was with your son? And she said it was leukemia. Hmm. So that kind of resonated fear. Yeah. This could be leukemia. You know, I've heard cancer has fevers and this child had a lot of fevers and they were never high fevers, 99, you know, just enough to make you think, well, are you sick or not? Right. So when we called and made an appointment, we got back to Oklahoma and they said, um, you know, bring her on in. They put Millie up on the table and went to look at her and she was fine. 
There was nothing wrong with the child. No ear infection, no fever, no runny nose, just fine. So again, you know, what are we going to do about this? And they said, well, let's do a blood test. I hated to do a blood test on a baby that was well. And so I took the prescription, stuck it in my purse and thought if she gets sick again, that's the first place we'll go. And so we did a few weeks later, have her start to feel bad again. I had a friend at my house and we sat and we talked and I just said, I'm just concerned. There's something wrong with this baby. She complains of her tummy hurting all the time. And her son had been diagnosed with leukemia also. And so to me, she was the one I should be talking to. So we prayed over her. My friend went home. And before her dad even got home from work, Millie was up in the middle of the bed, making a fist against her stomach and just moaning, oh, my stomach hurts. And I called her dad and said, we have got to do something. Yes. He said, well, let's do some more laxatives. Maybe she's constipated again. And I said, no, we're done. We've done laxatives. We need to take her to urgent care. We did. And when we got there, I told him she's probably impacted. She's been constipated. They asked me if I'd had an x-ray and I said, no. And they said, well, we're very concerned about her distended stomach. You need to go to the emergency room. So at that point, as we went to the emergency room, they took us in and did the x-ray and said, yes, yes, she's very constipated. We'll give her an enema. We'll give her a suppository. And I told the doctor, I need you to fill up her stomach. I found a lump on her stomach near her belly button. And he assured me, ma'am, I felt 10,000 stomachs in my doctoring career, but it's nothing. However, her liver is distended. It's below her rib cage. I guess it's supposed to be up under your rib cage. And her liver edge was lower than it should have been. He said, so we'll do a blood test. And he did. And it came back that her liver enzymes were off. Mm. I said, what does that mean? He said, it can mean nothing or it can be very serious. We'll refer you to the children's hospital. Now, at this point, we're in our small town hospital, and I knew a referral to children's would take a long time. That's just how it normally takes. Three o'clock in the morning, we go home. The next morning, they call and say, can you be here tomorrow at nine? That was my first clue. Okay, this is something serious. Right. right. And I told them, yes, we can be there. Where do we go? To the liver specialist. I sat down with the liver specialist that morning, and they said, "Uh, looks like maybe she has food allergies. And I quickly sent out a text message to our church. Looks like food allergies, but before we leave, they'll be sending us for an ultrasound and another blood test. And then I added to my husband's text that said, you need to come to the hospital because I won't hold her down for another blood test in two days. Mm, And so he came to the hospital on his lunch break while we were doing the ultrasound. And she never got off the ultrasound table. The little tech was so sweet talking and chatting until she started seeing the tumors. And then she said, I just need you to sit in the waiting room. Now, at that point, the whole story becomes very foggy in my mind. I know I was sitting in the waiting room with her and her daddy. And, you know, someone said, you're going to go to the 10th floor. I don't know if they'd said for cancer or oncology. I'm really not sure what. But I had packed my bag that morning and it was in the car. Her daddy didn't even know that because I was sure she had leukemia. And at the time, I didn't know leukemia has no tumors. Right. I had no clue. Right. Mm-hmm. So I stepped on the elevator and I called my friend back and she said, where are, you, where are they headed? And I said, the 10th floor. And she said, it'll be okay. Who's your doctor? I told her. She said, that's our doctor. It's going to be okay. And so she talked me through it. I mean, she was such a blessing to me that day. Yeah. I got off the elevator at the top. They took us into the room and you hear those horrible words. I'm sorry. It looks like Amelia has cancer. Yeah. Now, 
At this point, I felt like God stopped my ears. And what I mean by that was I heard him mention the different types of cancer that affect the kidneys. But the one I heard him say was, we're pretty sure it's Wilms, which Mm -hmm. was a bad cancer, but had a pretty high survival rate. Right. And so I kind of clung to that. It's Wilms. I'll go home. I'll research this. I got it. And we did. Um, Her daddy listened. I listened. You know, you try to take it all in. There's so much they throw at you, those first appointments. But he said to us that day, since it's Friday, we won't treat her till Monday. So you can either go home and get your life in order, or you can stay all weekend and just rest, and then we'll treat her on Monday. And I thought, I have too much to do. I have all these children. I've got to get them settled. i got to buy groceries. We don't even have pajamas to come to a hospital. So even though I was packed for an overnight stay, I was not packed for this unknown. Right. Um, At that time, we left. And that's the craziest feeling to think your baby's body is riddled of cancer and you're walking out of a hospital mm-hmm. and just leaving. Mm-hmm. And so we brought home this baby who was still just our baby. She was still just a little kid that needed to play in the yard and do normal things. And we were very busy the next two days packing, getting babysitters secured and everything we had to do. We showed back up on Sunday morning. And as we admitted They said to us, we'll start the test tomorrow morning for neuroblastoma. Julia could have knocked me over. Yeah. Neuroblastoma. I mean, my husband, I said, no, 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 no. You said Wilms. And my husband looked at me and he said, no. They said neuroblastoma right off. And then he said, why does that worry you? And I told him because we had a friend years ago. That child had passed away of neuroblastoma. Mm-hmm. Well, he knew their child had passed away, but he had no idea it was the same cancer. Right. And it just hit us, the seriousness. Yes. How horrible neuroblastoma is. Yes. So throughout that year, we had a lot of blessings in our treatment, which is crazy to say. You can give your child bags of poison, you chemotherapy, you can, all the things you do to these poor children, And yet there were blessings woven all through that. Yes. One of the blessings, um, my husband had the opportunity to be with her at the hospital. He had the opportunity to know her. Had we lost an older child in a different way, he might not have gotten to build that relationship that he had with this child. Right. Um, COVID hit, the dreaded COVID that, you know, definitely has stolen so much. Mm -hmm. Because of that, my husband was sent home from work. For months on end, he was allowed to work from home. So again, he could be with her. My kids were home from school. It was. And it's not something I like to call a blessing, but it was a blessing. Right. And then just the fact that we had raised Millie to love the Lord, to know the Lord early on in her life. And the fact that she slept in our room, because we brought her back to our room as soon as we knew she was sick. And I could hear her at night, dear God. Take my cancer away. Dear God, be with my friends. And she would pray for each of her little friends by name. And then she would pray for her nurses on the oncology floor. She would pray that all their cancer went away too. And I said, wait, wait, they don't have cancer. And she said, then why would they be there? Like who in their right mind would be on this floor if you didn't have cancer? Yeah. And she's three years old. Three years old. Well, she was two and a half at diagnosis. Wow. Yes. So. Wow. As she went from walking into that hospital being a baby to knowing everything about the oncology world. 
Yeah. And you couldn't sneak stuff by her. Like if you said, we're going to have a scan today. No, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. We're going to have pictures. I don't want my picture taken. You know, yeah. she knew what was coming. Oh, sure. She, Yeah. Mm-hmm. They get very, very wise to the world. Yes. Around April, we had kind of run out of chemotherapy and immunotherapy options. She had done everything on the front line and not really responded. We Every once in a while, we'd see a mild response, but for the most part, nothing. And so they offered us MIBG therapy. Mm-hmm. Scary, horrible therapy where you put your child in a lead-lined room for three or four days while they um, radiate them. And you can't stay with them because then it would radiate your body. So you stay on the outside and you only go in to cut up their food, to change their diaper, and then you go back to the other side of the glass. But we agreed we would do it if it would give her a chance. Yeah. And we went to Cook's Hospital in Fort Worth, prepared. We were ready to go the next Monday. And on Friday, they called us and said, you can't come. Her tumors are growing. They've grown so much, they're pressing on the vein that exits her liver. And if we radiate her liver, it will destroy it and she'll die. Mm -hmm. And so you go from she's going to die if we don't do it to now she's going to die if we do it. Right. They uh, brought us back to the only option is a chemo called ICE. And that stands for three different chemos they mix together that I can't ever remember the name of. But it's a real intense chemo. Mm -hmm. And so they gave her three days of ICE. We did the scans. Nothing. Mm. And they said, there's nothing we can do. She can stay here in the hospital and she can pass away here. We can give her more chemo, but her tumor's already starting to bleed. And if they rupture, she will bleed to death quickly. Mm -hmm. Or we can send her home and you'll have a little while. Mm -hmm. Due to COVID at that time, we'd already had months on end where I couldn't even go or David couldn't go. Whoever went to the hospital was the one that had to stay. Right. And so we had asked them, if we used your comfort care room, do our children get to come? Do our grandparents get to see her? And the answer was no. Mm -hmm. Our family was too big. Mm -hmm. Only my husband and I could be there. And we said, we have to take her home. We cannot allow her to die and they never see her again. Yeah. So we brought her home in June. And the first week, she was fairly active. She played in the yard. She was in pain. She would take um, oxycodone to deal with the pain, but she could still get up and run around and enjoy herself. Mm-hmm. At the end of the first week, she was given a kind of a wish trip, not through Make-A-Wish, but she had she had already received a playground for Make-A-Wish, and a local organization grants our children something that they want to do in the state. And Millie had said, Daddy, I want to go fishing again. Yeah. And then she said, I want to catch Three fish as she held up five fingers because she was so young, she didn't count very well. Sure. Uh But yeah, so they did a a fishing trip for us and they got five professional fishermen and their bass boats out there enough to take our whole family, Yeah, which was such a blessing. You know, when you have a big family, it's hard to accommodate everybody. Exactly. But they did that. And as all able to go. Yes. Wow. We all got to go and we all got on different boats. David and I got on Millie's boat. And for a little while, she fished, and then she got to herding, and she laid in the floor of the boat. Mm-hmm. She took a little nap, and then the fish really started biting, and we said, do you want to get up and fish? And she said, no. She just watched them. But when it came time to go back to the shore, she drove the bass boat, and she was so proud of herself driving across that lake. Yeah. 
it's kind of humorous to me because I can only imagine how much that boat cost. And here's my three-year-old driving it, but, but she loved yeah. it. Um, yeah. That was her daddy's birthday. Oh, and that was like wow. a special. She was diagnosed with neuroblastoma on one of his birthdays, and then on the next one, we're at her final fishing trip. Yeah, wow. so forever that day is going to be a hard one for of our family. Course. Yes, it will. The last week of her life, or the second week of her being at home on hospice, was spent doing things like um, planning her funeral, hold her in my lap while we made the decisions of. What's this funeral going to look like? And we had a lot of encouragement. Just wait. Wait and do it after she passes. I couldn't, Jill. I needed the funeral to be a certain thing, a certain way. And so to do that, I needed to do it when I could think clearly. But it's a really odd. Yes, I did the same thing. Yes, and your little girl wasn't small enough to sit in your lap. Right, but she was in the recliner next to me, dozing most mm-hmm. of the time at that point in the recliner. And I sat on the couch and planned out the entire, wrote the obituary, chose the pictures and yes. all of that. And and like you, it's like, this is such a strange, surreal thing to be doing. And I thought, you know, God could still heal her. And if he does, just think what, you know, we'll be able to say, we even had her funeral planned and he did this miracle and healed her. So, you know, we kind of had that in mind too at the time. But like you, I wanted to do it while I could think. Because I yes. knew after I, I wouldn't be able to. So so you did that as well. We did that. Um, amazingly, we have a friend who's a funeral director. And he's planned our different funerals over the years. And we called him and we said, can you come? And he said, well, I don't actually do funerals anymore. I'm over about 13 different funeral homes, but I'll do one for you. Mm. So he came and he sat on our couch and we held her and we talked about what we wanted. Then we had another friend who was willing to preach for us at her funeral. Mm -hmm. And so we called them in and they sat and went over it with us. And, you know, there's a lot of tears moments when you're trying to think. Yes. This is your final celebration. And it is a celebration. It's a celebration of your life, yes. even though you're at the end of their earthly life. Mm-hmm. So for me, with Millie being a little girl, it needed to be pink. Mm-hmm. It needed to be frilly, like a tea party. It needed to be girly, um, toys, balloons, you know, that kind of stuff. And it needed to be happy. Yes. But it also needed to convey where our hope was. Yes, absolutely. So those were all things that were hard decisions to make. Mm-hmm. But we got them made. Um, the last week, she would sit on the couch and not really open her eyes much. And you wondered if she was there. Mm-hmm. But every so often, she would interject in the conversation like, yep, I hear you. I know you're talking about me. Yep. And so she slept a lot on Monday. Tuesday, I made her come lay on the couch in the living room. And she pretty much slept all day. Except she set up once and told her daddy she needed something to drink, and he fed it to her. And then then she laid back down, and one more time she set up. Tuesday night, she said, Mama, my mouth tastes yucky. Mm. And so I asked if she'd like to brush her teeth, and she told me yes. And I carried her to her bed, uh, to the bathroom, and set her on the bathroom cabinet, and I brushed her teeth. And then as she finished brushing, she said, I'm going to walk to bed. And I thought, no, you, she's not steady enough to stand up. Yeah. I said, I'll carry you. 
And she said, no, mama, I'm going to walk. And so at that point, she took her, I put my hand out and she said, no, I'm going to hold two hands. And she put her hands up over her head and she had me hold her like that and just kind of balance her. And then she walked about eight or 10 steps and she said, you need to carry me. Mm. So I carried her to my room Mm -hmm. and she said, I'm going to sleep with you tonight, mama. Mm -hmm. And she never slept with me, Jill. She uh, was my touch-me-not baby. She didn't mind nursing, but she didn't really want to be in bed with us. If she was, she was scrolling through our phones. And when she was done, she would say, put me in my bed. She liked to rock and cuddle, but as soon as she was done, she wanted to go to bed. Mm -hmm. And so that night, she wanted to sleep with me. Mm -hmm. She put her head on my pillow. She put her forehead against my forehead. Mm -hmm. And she put her little hands in mine. And she slept that way till about 4 o'clock that morning. Mm -hmm. And then she said, Mama, I need you to rock me. Mm -hmm. And so my husband picked her up and carried her to the rocking chair and put her in my lap. We had a big recliner. um, And so we rocked in that recliner, the same place she'd been her whole four years of her life. Mm-hmm. And as we rocked about six, I started hurting from just sitting so still. Right. And I was trying to adjust and not disturb her. And she said, oh, put me in my bed, Mama. So we moved her to her bed. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the morning, people would come and lay by her. Some of her older sisters came and laid by her. Her brother came. Um, her dad and I made a stupid choice that we regret, but we decided we needed to go to the cemetery that day and to find her plot. Mm -hmm. And so big brother sat with her beside her bed. And we said, we'll be back a little while. We left for about an hour, Mm -hmm. came back. Praise God. She was still there because I don't know how I would have felt about it if she hadn't been. Um, But after, after that, we had um, some friends come and our teenage daughter was laying in bed with Millie in the bedroom, of course. And um, I went out to the living room, greeted the friends and sat out there and talked for 10 or 15 minutes. Our daughter came out and joined us. And I said, I think I better go check on Millie. Mm-hmm. And I went back. And when I got to the bedroom door, I could hear her calling me mm-hmm. and very soft. Just, and I said, mama's here, mama's here. And she, and I called my husband. Um, I, don't, I obviously wasn't thinking clearly. I think I turned around and ran to the living room. I said, I think it's time. And he ran back to the bedroom, and I just said to our friends, you need to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, and I could hear him call, yes, it's time. And we called our other children into the bedroom with us. Um, I remember my adult son being in the recliner. My teenage daughter pulled the two little ones up on the bed with her, on our bed. I climbed in the bed with Millie, and David sat on the floor next to her. And all throughout our children's lives, we have blessed them every night at bedtime with number six, 24 through 26. Mm-hmm. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance on you and the Lord give you peace. Mm-hmm. And so we said that to Millie. And then we just said, run to Jesus, baby. It's time, run to Jesus. And she did. I mean, she took her last breath. It was peaceful. Mm-hmm. Nobody was screaming or crying. I mean, obviously there were tears. Yes. But you could just feel the peace of God with us. Mm-hmm. Um, I immediately asked my husband, please hand her to me. And I held her. And this was another confirmation that God knows the places of our heart. Because I had thought for the weeks leading up to her death, Lord, I wanted her to take her last breath in my arms. And yet I could never say that. That was so selfish to 
to rob that of my husband mm-hmm. as close as they were. Um, so he laid her in my arms. And as I cried, I didn't see her take her last breath. Mm-hmm. But a few weeks later, he said, you know, she took her last breath in your arms. And it just tore me to the soul. Yeah. Because it's like, Lord, you answered right. the very prayer that I wasn't even willing to speak. Right. And I just sobbed, and he didn't know what was wrong. He just like, what's wrong with you? And I said, you don't understand. I wanted to say that, but I didn't want to be selfish. Right. And he answered that very prayer. Mm. What a gift, you know, one of those unexpected gifts that's that's just so special. Wow. Yes. Well, you, um, not long after Millie went to heaven, you started writing a blog called Millie's Miracle. And, you know, some people might wonder why you would call it that when it seems like you didn't get the miracle, you know, that most people were probably praying for. You know, we pray for our children to be healed. We pray for God to do a miracle. After we hear those words, they have cancer, and then we hear the words, well, that's all we can do. You know, we still pray and and hope and believe for that miracle. So we would think that to our eyes, Millie's miracle didn't happen. But you named your blog Millie's Miracle. Would you explain why you chose that name for your blog? Yes. I actually started that blog the day she was admitted for chemo Mm. the first time. Yeah. So it had been going for a while. And it started with the post, Today the sky is mimicking my heart. Because it was raining the morning that we'd gone back to the hospital. And I felt God knew that my heart was breaking. The original intent of that was just to share our prayer needs Mm -hmm. and updates about Millie as we waited for her healing here on earth. You know, we knew for her to be healed, it would have to be miraculous. Right. And so we waited. But I got so tired of saying the same thing 17 times a day. Yes. And, you know, every night I just kind of threw a prayer. I would throw a prayer request, but I always wanted it to be first a praise. And so each day I would say, here are the things I'm thankful for. Mm. And here are the things we need you to pray for. Mm. So very quickly, um, Millie's blog had 14,000 prayer partners. Mm -hmm. Like her memorial service, when we shared it on the blog, had over 25,000 views. Wow. Jill, we don't know that many people. Yeah, yeah. You know, that right there is God. It's not us because people just shared and they watched to see this little girl walk through that. All through her illness, we were praying, Lord, please heal her and allow her to tell your goodness with her own lips. But if you don't, we will tell her story for her. And I think that really stood out to us. You and I talked about the movie Facing the Giants, where they said, we're going to praise you if we win, but we're going to praise you if we lose. You have to know God's still good, even if it doesn't look the way we want it to look. And so part of this blog was trying to keep my word to the Lord that I'm still going to tell of his goodness. Yes. Millie still got her miracle. Mm -hmm. Um, Many times as I've told her story, I'm reminded it's his story. It's a story of how God can use the life of just one little girl whose circle was not very big. She had a few friends, family, but it reached thousands around the world. And that's truly Millie's miracle. Yes. Um, I've thought a lot about and firmly believed if I'd been the one that had cancer, people would have prayed for me. They'd been concerned, but they would not have had the impact 
been far, near as far reaching as it was for it to be a little girl, a precious little girl who was fighting. These people partnered with us to support Millie. They prayed with us. They served us. They fed us. They showered her with gifts and remembered that we had other children who were hurting also. Yes. You know, when you have a child with cancer, everybody wants to bless that child. And it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. But every day, boxes upon boxes of things would show up for the other, for her. And the other children kind of got the feeling like, are we not even important anymore? Right. And so sometimes I would open these boxes and say, oh, look what they sent us. They sent you this and they sent her that. And, you know, just wanted to spread the joy around. Of course. And she was so good to share and um, but there were people who remembered each child. They would say, what can I buy for each child? Yes. And it could have been a $5 gift card, but it didn't matter. It showed their importance. These people were the hands and feet of Jesus to our family, both physically and emotionally. And then God used this platform to share him. People were watching. They were watching so intently to see, how are you going to walk through cancer? How are you going to walk through grief? They watched to see if we'd still love Jesus despite the pain we were in. Yes. They watched to see if he was faithful, even in life's greatest sorrows. They watched to see if they could suffer loss and still survive. You know, people are thinking about that because I know I used to think that. Could I go through that and could I still survive? They celebrated our joys. They shed tears with our sorrows. And then they wrote to us the many ways that Millie's life and death impacted their families. It was so neat. I had one lady wrote and said, our marriage was in shambles. But I asked my husband if he'd be willing to go to church with me each day. I think they're Catholic. And light a candle for Millie and pray for her. And she said, we did. And then we started praying for our marriage. And our marriage was saved because of your little girl and her impact. I had another mama who wrote and told me I had to teach my children how to pray. By reading Millie's prayer request every day. She said, we would read your praises and then we would pray for your request. Mm -hmm. So people were sharing Millie with their children, but they were sharing God too. Yes. That was amazing to me. Yes. Our stories are so similar, Courtney. When Hannah was first diagnosed, um, I, I sent emails. Back then, Facebook was not, you know, what it is now. It, It was a thing, but it was not the way it is now. And so I communicated through emails the same thing. I would give a summary of the day and kind of end with prayer requests and and talk about the good things that happened and, and the things that were going on. And those emails were were forwarded all around the world. And people were so wonderful. And um like you said, one of one of the best things anybody could do for us was to do something for Bethany, which was our other daughter, because like you said, she was yes. living in the shadow of her sister who was getting all of the attention and all the gifts and all of the things. And uh, so it was just such a blessing when people remembered our family and also remembered Bethany as well. Um, I've often said you know, we were talking about miracles and why your blog is called Millie's Miracle. And there are many different kinds of miracles. Absolutely. Um, we have often said if Hannah had been healed, if she had gotten that miracle that so many prayed for, like you said, if it had been you that had the cancer, it probably would not have resulted in as much glory to God. 
If Hannah had gotten healed from glioblastoma, which basically has a 100% fatality rate, people would have thought, wow, that's amazing. And you know what? They would have moved on with their lives and they would have forgotten all about it. Yes. But because she didn't get the miracle of earthly healing and instead got the miracle of heavenly healing, so much has come from that. And, you know, we can't help but be thankful that God used her and continues to use her in the way that he has. And uh, I can hear that in your, in your story as you talk about Millie. So we have, we have much in common, you and I. And uh, I think so many of us cancer moms have stories like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's humbling that God used our girls to, to do so much good and to bring himself so much glory. Um, even at the cost of so much pain. Absolutely. I, it always amazes me because even as I drove here today, I was praying, Lord, I've learned so much over this time. And this is not the way I would have wanted to learn it, Lord. I could have thought of a lot of different ways exactly. to get these you know, lessons. But I do know He has used my pain to grow me, to bring me closer to Him, to grow others. And so many people think they know Millie because they know my words. They read my heart about it, and it reminds them about a sweet little girl. But I think it's so important that we share our heart, we share our pain, because while we're waiting has sure impacted me. So that would mean Hannah going to heaven has sure impacted my life. Yes, well, thank you for that. And your words as you write are so real and so raw, and you don't sugarcoat things. And I think that's really important. um, Because people need to need to see that that there is hope in in Jesus. But joy and sorrow can coexist, and you can have both at the same time. And that's okay. And I think that's reflected very clearly in your writing. So your heart definitely does come through and Millie comes through in your writing. And I just think it's a beautiful thing. So thank you for that. We'll talk later about how how people can find your blog so they can read it as well. Um, Another thing I love about your blog is that it is absolutely full of scripture. Um, Can you narrow down to just a few particular scriptures that have been especially helpful to you on this journey? I would love to. So the verse we clung to during her treatment and as she went to heaven is Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This entire cancer journey was a reliance on faith that God would heal Millie, either on earth or in heaven. After she died, this verse took a deeper view of our faith. It's what we cling to, even though we cannot see the bigger picture. Even though it looks so bleak from here, the faith we hold is what assures us that there will be a day we're going to see Millie again. We're going to see Hannah again. We're going to see all these children Mm We place this scripture on her headstone beneath the words, I believe in Millie's miracle, because I wanted the people that would walk by her headstone to know she got her miracle. It wasn't the one we'd hoped for, but she definitely got her miracle. Right. Um, another scripture, 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. This scripture reminds me that I don't see the bigger picture, Jill. I just don't. Right. 
I only see the version that's darkened by my earthly sorrow. Millie, however, sees Jesus face to face. Well, I only know the part of this, this part of the story. She knows him like he knows her. You know, when you look face to face to someone, you know them. Yes. She has that opportunity. It's easy to feel lost and confused when we can't grasp what the big picture is. But here's another assurance that I will know someday. When my time comes, I'm going to know. And the third set of scriptures, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, Jeremiah 1.5 and Psalms 139.13-16. For you formed my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and I know this very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days were written in your book and ordained for me before one of them came to be. These two passages remind me that God knew Millie's days. They were not a surprise to him. He intimately knew her, even while she was still in my womb. He had a purpose in her life, as we all do, to bring glory to himself. I think we forget that's our purpose. That's why we're here, is to bring glory to him. She did that. Her story did that because it's truly his story. I've been really comforted to remember that Millie's at home with Jesus. I had a sweet friend say to me, her death is not a punishment to us. That's right. Why do we view death as a punishment to be avoided at all costs? It's not. She's not sad that she's in heaven. I don't believe she's standing there longing, looking back at earth, missing us. I truly believe she's in the presence of her Savior, right where she was meant to be. Even if she were able to return, she would not. For who can be in the presence of our Lord and want anything more? Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it brought you some comfort and encouragement today and maybe made you feel a little less alone on the journey. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and and maybe leave us a rating in iTunes to help others find the podcast. Again, we're glad you spent a few minutes with us today. It's a blessing to walk beside you as we seek to live well while we're waiting.